Hi everyone, you're listening to the Health and Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Alison Mitchell, a practicing naturopath, and you can find me on naturopathnsw.com.au. These podcasts will feature discussions on various health conditions, health tips, and nutrition from a naturopathic perspective. Sometimes it's just me, sometimes I'm interviewing guests. All the time, I hope to share with you information on health and well-being with the aim to empower and educate. Please remember that all information is general and not a specific recommendation that replaces consulting with a practitioner. Please talk to your healthcare practitioner before undertaking any changes to your treatment regime. So hi, Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Hello. (laughs) So for those who don't know you, can you just introduce yourselves a little bit and... Yeah, uh, I'm a naturopath, clinical nutritionist and medical herbalist, um, soon to be a personal trainer as well. Um, Yeah, (laughs) it's like, yeah, almost happening. Um, I'm based on the Central Coast. Um, I specialise in women and children's health. I've got a bit of a soft spot for kids, so I love working with kids in the clinic. Um, But yeah, basically my passion is showing women and children how to live healthier, happy lives, um, and how easy it is to make simple, delicious food that's still healthy nice. and not depriving self. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Well, today we're talking about pregnancy, and um, as a lot of people know, I'm I'm currently pregnant. I'm in my 32nd week so at the time that we're recording this. By the time this comes to air, I'll probably have popped already. <laughs> <laughs> and you've already gone through this yourself, and we both have patients that we support with pregnancy all the time. I, I also do um, pregnancy massage, and I'm also an infant massage instructor as well, so I work with pregnant mums and new mums as well in that area. But it's something that a lot of people um, don't actually know that much about. <laughs> but it's such an exciting time, but it can also be filled with hesitation, uncertainty, fear. And unfortunately, there are a lot of things that can happen to make to make mum feel uncomfortable during pregnancy and, and just to feel unwell. And there can be some non-life-threatening issues, such as like mild morning sickness. And it goes to more severe issues um, like severe preeclampsia, which can be both dangerous for the mother and for the baby. And there can be also problems that can put the baby at risk. So I think being a bit more informed um, can help to put your mind at ease about a lot of these issues. So there's so much to talk about with pregnancy. (laughs) Um, And we're going to go into some of the most common issues that we can have and then Um, probably we'll do a part two as well. So um, I think one of the first things that people usually start to notice is morning sickness. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, about 50% of women actually do get the nausea and vomiting. Um, So it's pretty common. But um, roughly around 25% of women will just get the nausea. So um, unfortunately, it's a pretty common thing when it comes to pregnancy. Um, but the good news is nausea and vomiting, vomiting is actually associated with decreased risk of miscarriage, which is kind of fun to know when you're suffering with morning sickness. Um, but yeah, it's actually more to do with the placenta rather than the baby. So it's not the baby's fault. Don't blame the baby. <laughs> no, don't get mad at the baby. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so, fine. Um, uh, I mean, everybody knows that ginger is good for nausea um, and it's very common to use it in 
um, nausea and vomiting of pregnancy. Um, the science around it says that you, you should use around 1,000 milligrams. Um, you can go up to about 2,000 milligrams of the, uh, the rhizome. It's not actually the root, it's the rhizome. <laughs> Um, don't take it with blood thinners though, if you're on any warfarin or anything like that, it's, it's, um, pretty bad to take with those. Um, I find that the tea, the tea does help. Um, I've had pretty good success with the tea. I do prefer the liquid extract and for pregnant women, I always burn off the alcohol because you don't want alcohol when you're pregnant. Um, but yeah, you can also get capsules and tablets too. Yeah, I think it's good for people to trial with the different forms of ginger, like the, like you said, the tea, the extract, the capsules, the food form. You can even try making your own version of the tea by slicing some um, slices up and um, putting some hot water over that or brewing it. Even just including it in your food more can be helpful as well. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And apart from ginger, there's vitamin B6. And vitamin B6 can be helpful for a lot of mums. Um, the recommended dose is usually about 10 to 25 milligrams every eight hours for morning sickness. But that's probably something you'd want to talk to a practitioner about as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and studies show that they actually work really good together too, the ginger yeah. and B6 as well. And there are some formulas that do have them combined as well. Mm. So yeah. that's always an option for some people. But um, apart from that, you also want to be looking at having um, stable blood sugar levels. And yes. so that can be pretty hard to do when you are starting to get sick to begin with. Yeah, but go, going into it, like when yeah, before the sickness happens, start prepping your blood sugar levels by eating really well. Now mm. you want to eat well in pregnancy anyway because you want to make sure that you're getting all those nutrients, etc. But um, having small regular meals with a bit of protein and good fat and complex carbs at each meal can be really helpful in just keeping your blood sugar levels flat lining rather than going up and down because it's those wobbles that tend to cause the nausea to occur. Yeah, definitely. And I find that um, a lot of my patients have good success with um, having something beside their bed to eat before they actually get up out of bed. So a banana or something like that, that you can quickly scoff down. Well, not too quickly, but yeah, scoff down and then <laughs> and then you can feel a lot better. Um, and then once you're up, you can have breakfast and whatnot without having that nausea. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great tip. Yeah. Um, apart from that, I think that sometimes you can get a bit of morning sickness when you're quite stressed or as we naturopaths call it a bit adrenally exhausted. Mm. So if that's happening, there are herbs that can be helpful, but it may be a sign that you need to just sort of slow it down and rest a little bit more. Mm. And Another thing that I often find to be the case is that um, if you have some digestive issues going into pregnancy, that can worsen morning sickness for a lot of people too. Yeah. So um, if you're not pregnant yet but you're planning to be, it may be worthwhile talking to someone to sort of get things get things I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, I also find that, like you were saying before, that the, the diet, makes a lot of difference and it's really especially when you're trying to stabilize blood sugar levels you really want to make sure you're having protein with every meal as well and um that's something that a lot of people actually forget especially with snacks like you really want to be grazing throughout the day and having protein with every snack and preferably with breakfast as well like a lot of people skip 
breakfast or don't have protein with breakfast and it's just setting you up for failure for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, it, it's and it's hard when you're feeling sick to begin with. Mm. So you've got to sort of get that balance of like you've got to, you've almost got to eat what you know your body needs regardless of whether you're feeling sick or not and then eventually the morning sickness will go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but, you know, it, the thing about morning sickness is that it's not always a sign that you're doing something wrong or that you're unhealthy. Sometimes mm. it does just happen. And, like, one of my um, colleagues who's really, really healthy was um, hospitalised with the severe morning sickness, the hyperemesis oh. gravidarum. And that's the thing is, is just sometimes it just happens and mm. genetics have a huge role to play in it. I was really fortunate that I didn't get any morning sickness, yeah. uh, but then my mother didn't get very much either. So yeah. I think that that has something to do with it. And then potentially my, my diet and things that I take might have had something to do with it as well. But yeah. it's just you, you can do what you can do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, it does – it can ruin – I've had patients where it's ruined their career. Like, they've they've lost their jobs yeah. because they had to take so much sick leave and whatnot. But, you know, um, planning to conceive is the best time to start preventing things like that. When we're talking about genetics, one of the other things is stretch marks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, we love stretch marks. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, look, there's – lots of information about like nutrients that you need to prevent stretch marks and things like that. Um, but really a lot of it is genetics. And so um, there's things that you can do to try and help to minimize the severity. But I personally believe that if you, if you are going to get stretch marks, you're going to get stretch marks. And if you're not going to get stretch marks, you're not going to get stretch marks, yeah. but keep your, um, like so eat well so that you're not going over overweight obviously yep. when pregnancy is not a time to diet or stress about your weight <laughs> but <laughs> but well you know what I mean um apart from that you want to be starting to oil up pretty early on oil, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll show yeah. you what I've been using this is this is what I've been using it's um Vanessa Megan um, pregnancy oil and it has jojoba, coconut, grapeseed, rosehip, vitamin E, tangerine, neroli and lavender oh, nice. and I like it because it has the, the vitamin E and it's really well absorbed as well so I'm nearly out of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but it's, and it smells good too but you, the thing is you want to apply it on your on your breasts, on your belly, on your legs and on your hips everywhere because it's not just your belly that's going to be getting the stretch marks. Yep. And you, I, I think that you need to start applying it as soon as you find out because um, for a lot of people the breasts will um, stretch out really quickly. So you yeah. want to be on top of that. And then um, <laughs> nutritionally, um, do you want to go into that? Yeah, no, sure. Um, so there's a lot of literature, literature around uh, vitamin C. Um, so vitamin C, as you would know, is found in all layers of the skin um, and it's needed for collagen production and elastin production. So it's kind of clear to see why vitamin C would be such an asset for stretch marks, preventing mainly. But um, I also found that it's good for uh, once you've got the stretch marks, uh, it's really good for reducing the appearance of them once you've had the baby so even though they look purple and 
obvious now, um, that doesn't mean that they're going to stay that way forever. Um, but zinc as well, zinc, zinc is a wound healer. Yeah, I knew you'd love zinc. You love zinc. Definitely. Um, <laughs> but it's also um, connected with tissue regeneration and protein synthesis as well. So that's a really good asset as well. Um, but all the research is, there was um, a fantastic study done where women would actually massage, um, I think it was olive oil, aloe vera and vitamin E cream, um, all those ingredients together and they'd massage it into their belly and, and the massage helps as well. And a huge percentage of the women didn't get stretch marks and they all had like a, a family history of, of stretch marks as well. So it was a well, pretty good go. study. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. And of course, adequate hydration and herbs like um, gotacola and aloe vera, calendula, they can all really help as well. But they're things that you probably need to see herbalists about. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, gotacola can be helpful for reducing the appearance of the stretch marks afterwards as well. Definitely. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And eating healthy and making sure you're exercising um, regularly and I mean not, not overdoing it but proper exercise and diet will pre prevent you from gaining too much weight as well. Yeah mm. and in terms of exercise I think that there is a lot of fear put on pregnant women about exercise but the thing is is if you if you're not doing anything new then it's probably okay to continue. That's you, it. Yeah. yeah you just don't want to be doing a lot of um, jumping up and down and like twisting movements. Yep especially later on and yep. then um you, you yeah you just see how you feel you shouldn't let your heart rate get too high mm. and you shouldn't let yourself overheat in the first trimester but yep. after that then you can just sort of go but I think that doing a combination of some like yoga and walking mm. is and some water sports is really good yeah um, definitely yeah and yoga is really good for other things later on as well like it helps with sleep it helps with um you know if you a lot of pregnant women wake up at night and can't get back to sleep so um it helps with that it helps with all the discomforts and and later on it helps with pregnant uh sorry labor as well so mm -hmm. yoga's yeah yoga's awesome <laughs> definitely um particularly because um prenatal yoga has got a lot of emphasis on opening up the pelvis and and working on the muscles that you need for an upright birth or an active birth like so yeah. squatting positions that sort of thing yeah so that can be great mm, yeah working with gravity not against it <laughs> yes <laughs> so along those lines one of the other things i wanted to talk about was just things that um, you should get started with early in pregnancy. So as soon as you find out things to get started on. So there's the oil or like the yep. stretch mark prevention and then yoga is definitely on that list. Yes. <laughs> because it has huge amount of benefits and then the more um, you can loosen up a lot of tight muscles and things like that, the less aches and pains you're going to get as well mm. uh, because it's pretty common for women to experience back pain and pelvic pain and pubis pain, that sort of thing. Oh, and um, as yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> and thoracic, like thoracic pain. Yeah. So yoga is great for that. So like side bends and all, yeah. all of that stuff. Um, so the other thing is flossing is really important because when you're pregnant your hormones make you a lot more sensitive to the bacteria in your gums and so you can maybe not even have gingivitis but still get a lot of bleeding so 
flossing a lot more diligently than you would normally and keeping your teeth healthy is really important and it is thought that uh, like a lot of women who don't do this are more at risk of losing teeth during pregnancy and it it's pretty common for people to experience these issues and bleeding gums and tooth pain and the thing is is that if you do get a a tooth issue there isn't as much you can do about it while you're pregnant so you don't want to have to deal with that pain so start flossing early see the dentist early in the pregnancy and then and then um, shortly afterwards as well you want to try and and not get x-rays while you're pregnant um, because that's an unnecessary form of radiation but definitely get the clean (laughs) yeah yeah definitely and even if you're planning to fall pregnant it's probably best to do before your preconception plan as well and then part of your preconception plan to get into the habit of flossing yep must admit i'm pretty bad at it I think it's it's amazing how much your dental health has an impact on the rest of your overall health as well and um, like the bacteria in your mouth but not only that but certain tooth issues and so like if you can keep your teeth healthy and your gums healthy so that you don't have to get a a root canal or anything along those lines that's the best way to go about it (laughs) that's a whole other topic yes definitely just thinking about it <laughs> but um yeah no things to start early <clears throat> probiotics I'm you probably know I'm in love with probiotics and <laughs> um uh, a lot of a lot of uh, women have babies that have dermatitis and eczema and all those sort of things and there's there's a lot of research around um probiotics such as lactobacillus rhamnosus lgg which actually helps to prevent the baby from getting um, atopic eczema, uh, dermatitis and eczema and all of those things. So um, there are certain probiotics that you could include in your pregnancy supplement regime. Um, There's also probiotics that have been researched to reduce the, uh, the likelihood of group B strep, which is actually quite common in pregnant women, especially pregnant women who um, spend a lot of time in the hospitals because hospitals are like a breeding ground for <laughs> strep B. So again, uh, rhamnosis, only the, the strains that have been researched for group B strep, um, I don't actually think they're available in Australia. Have you ever heard of a um, lactobacillus rhamnosus L60? That and lactobacillus fermentum L23 mm. used in the studies. So be interesting if we could maybe get that in Australia at some stage, but I haven't actually seen it in any supplements yet. A lot of people don't realise is folic acid, I mean folate, is actually important more so before you're pregnant because by the time you find out you're pregnant, the neural tube is all but closed. So a lot of people who are trying to fall pregnant, you really should start a folate supplement or folate-rich foods before you actually fall pregnant so Mm. that you can get your levels up and, yeah, have a medicine (laughs) so the neural tube can be healthy before it closes. It's not just – you don't just need folate, though. Oh, no, definitely not. But that's one thing that a lot of people – you know, the first thing they think of when they're pregnant is, oh, I need to take folate, but really it's actually quite – late by the time you've realized you're pregnant yeah you should actually um, be taking it pre- like preemptively before. yeah yeah and i mean i i strongly advocate that you you really should get a decent multivitamin because there's so many different nutrients that are needed for preconception and pregnancy that people just sort of forget or 
don't get through their diet and <clears throat> like um, essential fatty acids, the, the fatty vitamins like vitamin A and E. Um, vitamin A is one that you do need to be careful of, but mm-hmm. um, vitamin C, vitamin D, all those things. So, yeah, there are, there are heaps that a lot of people miss out. You really should get a decent multi and get your diet underway. <laughs> Um, and but the thing with vitamin A is that there is a lot of fear about it. But mm-hmm. um, it's when the limit when you're taking amounts over ten thousand international units that it becomes a problem. Yeah. And that's very rare for that to actually happen unless you're yeah. taking a um, single vitamin A supplement. But and vitamin all day long. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think liver's great, but yeah, not not all the time. <laughs> not my favourite food, I have to say. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, you actually need vitamin A for, for for preventing spina bifida as well. Yeah. So yeah. being afraid of it and then avoiding it is actually going to do you just as much harm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um, but definitely. So, well, this is this would probably be a good time then to go into some of the um, individual um, nutrients that we do need during pregnancy as well. And yeah. and particularly, like you said, you want to be taking it preemptively before you do fall pregnant. Yeah. But you know, if you if you're pregnant, don't panic. Um, yeah. You've still been eating food, so you've still been getting nutrients. Mm-hmm. And the best thing is just to do the best that you can at, at any point. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. So um, iodine. Uh, is, an, is a really important one. And so we need iodine for thyroid health, but we also need it really uh, importantly for our brain health. Mm. And so iodine deficiency, unfortunately, impairs our neurological development, so the development of our brain and our nervous system. And so the earlier on the iodine deficiency occurs and the worse it is, the more devastating the damage. Mm. And um, so it's most important in that first half of the pregnancy. And Australian women are consistently low in iodine as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other one we need is vitamin B12. So we found that low cobalamin status or low B12 status is actually associated with a higher risk of neural tube defects. Mm. Also um, oral facial clefts, um, congenital heart disease and also spontaneous miscarriage. And you need to have your vitamin B12 alongside your folic acid or your folate for it to work effectively. Um, and a lot of the cheaper or not so much cheaper but common pregnancy multis that's out there tend to have really really low levels of vitamin b12 in comparison to the folic acid or folate content and that's actually really not such a great thing with not it's not healthy so you've got the folic acid too like the folic acid is actually the synthetic version a lot of people don't realize Mm -hmm. there's a difference between folate and folic acid and the folic acid that you find in supplements is actually lowering your b12 status as well so you really do need to make sure you're getting enough b12 to sort of negate that annoying friendship they have (laughs) yeah definitely and with the synthetic folic acid there there are some people that do react really badly to it and that i mean it's only a small percentage that will react severely to it and if you're concerned you can talk to your practitioner about mthfr testing and that sort of thing Um, but usually you would know because you would be feeling worse when you're taking it yeah but you do want to just make sure that you're getting your naturally occurring folate um, from foods such as your leafy greens and that sort of thing and your animal sources. Very good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> iron. Now, iron is 
Love, the baby loves sucking up that eye. Yes. <laughs> Personally, I found my iron levels were a bit low in my last bud test, and I was like, oh, well, that's why I'm so breathless. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty common. And so um, routine supplementation of, of a low-dose, good-quality iron throughout pregnancy has found that it helps to lower the frequency of C-sections, mm-hmm. and um, it also lowers the frequency of um, need for blood transfusions after birth. Um, you get a longer period of gestation and you have higher um, like hemoglobin levels after the birth as well. So less anemia after birth. So that's yeah, always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And the baby needs it for, for their little brain and mm. for learning and memory and, and everything. So we're trying to breed genius geniuses here. We need iron. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> iron and iodine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can you can get obviously iron through your animal sources, so through meats and and things like that. But if you're not eating meat uh, for whatever reason, then you can get it in um, leafy greens and also um, certain nuts and seeds um, through certain dried fruits like dried figs, dried figs and dried apricots mm. um, and a capsicum and that sort of thing as well. And yeah. I think that it's good to have it with a bit of acid when you're having it in its plant yeah. form. So and it's definitely worth remembering too to not have iron-rich foods with tea or with just a glass of milk. Like I, I see a lot of anemic patients that come in and, and they're drinking tea with every meal and every snack and they're just not absorbing that, that iron. So mm. there's a, you know, as you know, there's tannins in, in tea and in other things as well, but mainly tea and herbal teas as well. But, um, yeah, you really shouldn't drink your tea or have just big glasses of milk with your, with your iron-rich foods. Mm. <laughs> and try and well, have it with vitamin C as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And if you do find that you're constipated when you're taking iron, it, you might find that you would benefit from switching to a different type of iron, such as an amino acid chelate or a diglycinate or something along those lines, rather yeah. than um, the ferrous fumarate, um, because those ones tend to be a bit more constipating. Mm, yeah. Um, and yeah, taking mega doses a few times a week is more likely to clog you up rather than taking a lower dose of a better absorbed form such as the amino acid chelate so that's probably an option for some people as well yeah definitely yeah i find the amino acid chelates actually help raise your levels better anyway like i find that they they raise them a lot quicker than just the normal situation okay um and selenium Selenium is really important for all things fertility, um, but low levels have also been associated with preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. So we'll go into preeclampsia a little bit more, but preeclampsia is basically when your blood pressure is so high, it gets so high that it can lead to eclampsia, which is coma. So mm. we, we do not want that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other mineral that's associated with reducing your risk of preeclampsia is calcium. Mm. And calcium is pretty important to take from around the second and third trimester because that's when you start to um, be shunting all your calcium stores into making your baby's little skeleton. Yay, and they look so cute. They're like little space prawns. <laughs> 
And um, the other thing with calcium as well is that it, um, when you take it, it's been shown to help to reduce the um, lead mobilization from the digestive tract because like we're exposed to heavy heavy metals a lot, and lead is often mobilized a lot more during pregnancy just just naturally. But calcium helps to protect against that, and so that's one of the reasons that it can help protect against the preeclampsia. Um, but it has been shown that like taking a good quality calcium throughout your pregnancy or through the latter half of your pregnancy does help in promoting healthy teeth in your children as well mm. and a yeah, good quality skeleton. And so when we're talking about a good quality calcium, I, I'm referring to um, forms other than calcium carbonate, which tends to not be well utilised by the body and you want to have it with its cofactors such as vitamin D, boron, and if you can, vitamin K2. Mm. And then um, try to have doses less than 500 milligrams because doses over that have been associated with the um, negative side effects associated with calcium. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, there's also, I've been doing a lot of research on vitamin K2 as well okay. in itself that it actually, that form of vitamin K helps prevent the negative, like helps lower the negative effects of, of calcium supplementation as well. So that's also something to remember as well. And I mean, the healthy, if you've got a healthy gut and you're, you're supplementing with probiotics, um, okay, vitamin K is something that the probiotics and your healthy gut flora are actually creating as well. So yeah, it comes back to the gut. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> we could talk, I could talk about the nutrients in pregnancy all day. Um, but the other one that I thought is pretty important to remember is vitamin D as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, Australia, it's surprising considering we have such a sunny country, um, we are all so deficient in vitamin D. And it's, I, th I think that it's got to do with the sun phobia that we have, which mm. I can kind of understand because skin cancer is pretty rampant in Australia. But I do believe that we go a bit overboard and I think we need to allow our skin to absorb just a little bit of vitamin D every day. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, so, yeah, we, we do need to sort of, you know, at least give ourselves 10 minutes a day of sun exposure without lathering sun cream all over it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so a lot of people do have problems um, utilising vitamin D and um, transforming it into its active form. So if that's the case, then you might need to get your kidneys or livers, liver, you've only got one, get your liver <laughs> checked out. <laughs> Um, because that can contribute to vitamin D not being utilised in the body properly. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So um, it is pretty common for pregnant women to be low in vitamin D, and unfortunately it is, it is a lot more difficult to get your vitamin D levels tested now uh, because of the um, government cra cracking down on un unnecessary... Um, blood test costs. So the recommendation is just to take around one to 2,000 international units as a prevention anyway. But you may, if, if you're suspicious because you, you do have some of those issues that affect your vitamin D absorption or you're just not out in the sun, then maybe um, they offer to pay for the test um, as a non-Medicare test um, because you definitely don't want vitamin D deficiency to happen. D vitamin D dis um, d deficiency increases the disease risk of things like um, schizophrenia, type 1 diabetes, MS, autoimmunity, asthma, and um, like allergic rhinitis, like so hay fever.
Yeah, and so, it's also associated with um, gestational diabetes as well. Yes. So that's something you don't really want. <laughs> and I don't think the test is that expensive either, isn't it? It's about no. $7 or something? Yeah, it's not that much. Yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly, but I think yeah. it's different with different labs as well. Yeah. But, yeah, um, and it also de- – vitamin D deficiency also increases your risk of severe preeclampsia by mm. 540%. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> I didn't even know that. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty high level. So, yeah, you don't you don't want to be deficient. You want to keep your blood levels around um, or at or above 75 nanomole per litre. Mm, yeah, definitely. I like to keep it at around the 100 mark, just to be safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay. Also, um, another thing that I I find that people forget, it's, it's a really – underused underused but over I don't know a lot of people okay I'll just tell you what it is it's magnesium (laughs) um I do find that a lot of people don't take it but a lot of people do know the benefits of it and know that they really need it but I find that hardly anyone takes it and unfortunately especially in Australia our um our soils are so depleted in magnesium that we pretty much all need a magnesium supplement. So um, magnesium again is good for your bones and your um, it's good for your mother, for the mother, but also for the baby as well. It's good to lower your blood pressure if you've got high blood pressure or low blood pressure. It's good to stabilise that um, and also muscle cramps later on in pregnancy. Trust yep. me, that's something you don't want. <laughs> So, yeah, magnesium is one of my favourite things to to have in pregnancy as well. Mm. And it can be quite helpful for reducing tension and, and anxiety, so helping with the labour as well. Mm, yeah, definitely. Mm. Mm. But, yeah, um, low magnesium, calcium and iodine and high lead and low vitamin D are all associated with preeclampsia. So apart from that, um, the other thing that's associated with with preeclampsia is low DHA, Mm. which is um, one of the omega-3 fatty acid components or the the final stage of your omega-3. So taking fish oil can be beneficial or um, or having fish in your diet and those sorts of things. Mm. Um, And then the other thing that you really want to make sure that you're doing for prevention of preeclampsia is having an antioxidant-rich diet Mm. because it is a very oxidative condition. So you want to be having lots of your fruit and your veggies and your brightly coloured um, foods that, so you eat a rainbow every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely reds and purples and blues. I love the blueberries. Definitely. <laughs> Apart from hypertension, those sorts of nutrients for hypertension, the other thing you want to be looking at doing is is keeping your weight under control as much as you can because yeah. um, the bigger you are, unfortunately, the harder you do, your, blood, your heart does have to push. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you may have more of a risk of high blood pressure if you've had it in the past so make sure you're drinking lots of water um, avoiding added salt or um or like processed foods that have a lot of salt in them and try and avoid stress as much as you can (laughs) if you you can't avoid the stress then do some (laughs) maybe try doing some things that will help to manage stress like mindfulness Yeah, and that's another thing that I love about yoga is yoga, you're getting a workout and it really calms and relaxes you. And the prenatal uh, the prenatal yoga that you can do is really, really calming as mm. well. 
Um, and even, I mean, it's so important. People sort of just say, oh, well, I don't have time to, to de-stress. So what? So it's, it's not well, a matter you, it's of... when you need it the most. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's not a matter of just shrugging it off. It is really, really important. And it's something that you really need to schedule into your day to just have some downtime, even if it's just having a bubble bath or mm. you know, getting hubby to give you a foot and rub. Because that's what he's there for. <laughs> yeah, what else? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's done the hard work. <laughs> yeah, so it's really important to monitor your stress levels because um again even in labor stress really contributes to the length of your labor to the pains to mm. everything so stress is just massive definitely mm. all right so gestational diabetes um the funny thing with gestational diabetes is the mother's blood glucose and insulin resistance uh, blood glucose levels and insulin resistance naturally change because your your baby needs fuel, so the body naturally does that to give your baby as much fuel as it as it needs to grow. So um, there's a, a lot of controversy around the screening for gestational diabetes. Um, one study actually showed that timing of your last meal before you actually get tested contributes to your results. So. I think that the if you had a meal within two to three hours before your test, it actually lowered your re readings of your of your blood glucose mm. test. So it's really controversial, and and it's really not to me. It's not really set in stone. I mean, it's not something you want to muck around with blood glucose and and diabetes, but it's also something that you really want to try and get an awareness of and get a doctor who really does know the ins and outs of blood sugar and, and all that sort of stuff. So getting yourself a really good um, obstetrician when it mm. comes to that. Uh, you're more likely to get gestational diabetes if you're overweight. Um, they're saying that if you're older than 25, but more so if you're over 40 and having a baby. Um, if you've got a family member with diabetes or you've had gestational diabetes before or a large baby before, um, and also, also some ethnic groups are more likely to get gestational diabetes, so like the Native Americans, Asians, and all that mm. sort of stuff. Um, <clears throat> diet is is major when it comes to gestational diabetes, and I, it just it shudder. I shudder when I see, you know, pregnant my pregnant patients, their food diaries, and I mean it's hard because your hormones are doing their thing and you've got your morning sickness and you don't feel like eating healthy you just feel like eating something sugary to get that kick but you're really if you're just eating such a sugary diet you're really really opening yourself up to gestational diabetes um, but yeah exercise limit your weight gain <clears throat> supplements as well like some of the the nutrients we mentioned before but um, chromium vitamin D, uh, vitamin E Again, vitamin D, because a lot of people with diabetes are low. Um, magnesium, selenium, or your B vitamins, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And probiotics. <laughs> and probiotics, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, nailed it. Um, not much more to add on that. <laughs> I love gestational, I mean, I don't love gestational diabetes, but it's one of my interests. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's it's something that we can do a lot for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
And I think when I had the test done recently, they um, required required me to fast from nine o'clock the night before. Oh, okay. Um, to do that test, and yeah. then you have to eat a loading diet of carbohydrates for three three mm. days beforehand, which was very different to my standard yeah. diet. So I really struggled with eating that quantity of carbohydrates. But yeah. I think they are like uh, maybe some protocols have changed now. Yeah. But again, it might depend on where you go. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't remember having to do a diet like that with mine, but um. Yeah, see, I mean, you're really, you're, you're pushing the car, the simple carbs into the mother's body. It's, and even though it's only three days, that's still, I wouldn't want to push that on anyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the, I mean, the tests are there for prevention and, and you're sort of, you do definitely want to know if there's something sinister going on. I mean, if your levels are super duper high, then of course you want to get you want to get those answers so that you can do something about it. But like I said, the mother's glucose levels and insulin resistance does naturally go up during mm. pregnancy because our ancestors, you know, they didn't eat very often, so that that was the body's way of making sure the baby got enough fuel. Mm. I guess that needs to keep up. <laughs> We're not our ancestors anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Mm. So another another condition that affects a lot of pregnant women is fluid retention. It affects about um, 50% of pregnant women and it's much more likely in that um, third trimester as well. So yeah. usually you'd be feeling it like in your feet and your legs and your hands Kankles. and things like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was um, lucky I didn't get kangles. <laughs> so I'm so far lucky too. Yay! <laughs> um, but... Again, just if you have it, it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong, but there are a few things that you can do to try and help reduce it, such as make sure that you're getting plenty of rest and you're not pushing yourself too far, um, making sure that you're drinking enough fluid, that you're avoiding your processed foods and refined foods that have the um, added excessive amounts of sodium and salt in there, and yeah. also all those other things that we were talking about for your blood pressure as well. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's, it's, um, it, there are certain things that you need to be aware of as well. If you're finding that you've only got swelling in one leg or it moves up your calf, um, if it's red and tender, if you sort of press on it and it indents, that's the, they're the sort of telltale signs that you really need to go and see your GP about. Mm, uh, cause it could be a clot. Yeah, it could be a clot. So generally if you're going to get fluid retention, you really do get cankles in both legs that's what you kind of want if you're going to have it. <laughs> um, if it's sudden or severe, again, go and see your GP. Um, but apart from that, I totally agree with you with the diet. You've pretty much covered that. Um, onion and garlic are really good for circulation and, and helping with fluid retention as well. Um, I also find celery, all those sort of apple, uh, sorry, apples, celery and apples and um, citrus fruits and parsley, all those those foods that help to make you wee, sort of you want to get the yeah. diuretics cranking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're high in potassium too. Exactly, yeah. And vitamin C rich <clears throat> foods like your kiwi fruit, strawberries, capsicums, um, vitamin E again. Um, and if you're a smoker, I mean, you shouldn't be smoking when you're pregnant, but if you are smoking, that's going to contribute as well. So, yeah. yeah. 
because apart from the hormones and, and, and that sort of thing, it can also be the quality of the blood vessel lining. Yeah. And so that's where the vitamin C and, and your bioflavonoids come in there. Yeah. Okay, so thanks everyone for listening and we'll be back with Pregnancy Part 2 in a little while. So stay tuned and if you liked what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. And you can find me on naturopathmsw.com.au and all the links to social media are on there as well. And you can find Kelly on www.tonichealth.com.au and that's tonic with a K. Awesome. All right. (laughs) Bye, everyone. (laughs) Bye.